On this episode of Final Fangirls, I'm joined by my older sister, Julie, an expert in all things 2010's Tumblr. We'll be discussing the trends and tropes of age gap and teacher-ex-student relationships in film and fandom. There will be spoilers for Lolita, Pretty Little Liars, Black Swan, Detachment, May December, One Wild Moment, and Priscilla, as well as discussions of predatory behavior and underage exploitation. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Final Fangirls, the podcast that celebrates all things film from a fangirl's perspective. I'm your host, Tatiana, and today I'm joined by resident teacher crush expert and my beloved older sister, Julie. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Tati. So as you can probably tell from that introduction, we're going to be talking about teacher crush, teacher crushes, um, teacher-student relationships in Mm -hmm. film and media, as well as just the age gap trope in romance in general. We have some movies to talk about, and we also have fandom examples of kind of how the age gap trope and teacher-student relationship dynamic has resurfaced in recent years with TikTok after kind of a a peak, I would say, in the early 2010s on Tumblr. And Julie definitely knows a lot about that era, so that's why I've invited her today. Yeah, so um, as a teenager, that was when Tumblr was really at its height, and so I would definitely say I am an expert when it comes to that Tumblr era between 2010, 2016 on the teacher crush community. (laughs) Yes, we actually have a really funny story about that. So Julie and I used to share a room and we got up to some crazy things during that era of our Mm -hmm. life, I would say. Um, But one day I was like, hey, I have to tell you something. And she's like, yeah, what is it? And I was like, no, it's really embarrassing. And she's like, no, it's fine. Because we told each other everything we still do. And I go, so last night I did a deep dive on the TCC tag on Tumblr. And she's like, oh my god, I follow that tag. Like, I have looked at that tag and stuff. So we start talking about it, and we don't realize that we're talking about two different tags, because I had deep-dived on the true crime community tag, and she had deep-dived on the teacher crush community tag. (laughs) So all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, there's all these people talking about the Columbine guys, and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And on my side of of teacher crush community, it was a lot of young girls who had crushes on their real life high school college teachers and it was just such a stark difference between the content we were consuming and and for like a solid like two minutes we didn't realize we were talking about Mm -hmm. different things because we both are like we're talking to each other like yeah i know it's problematic but like it was so (laughs) interesting to do a deep dive on that and then I'm like, yeah, it's like crazy that people write fan fiction for that. And she's like, yeah, it really is because people do write kind of like ambiguous teacher fan fiction on Tumblr. So it'll be like, imagine your teacher doing this, you know, and so there's not a name assigned or anything um, so that people can imagine they're the teacher they have a crush on. But people also write fan fiction about like the Columbine guys and stuff. So I was like, wow, isn't that crazy? People write fan fiction about that. <laughs> And then we find out we're literally talking about two different things. I'm talking about serial killers and she's talking about college professors. So that's why abbreviations can get kind of messed up because they were both under, you could search TCC and you would get results of both. Yeah. Which is such a crossover. I think it, it really is such a 2010s thing to search something and get both serial killers and hot dilfs on your screen. So we, we have some knowledge, I would say, of these tropes and stuff. So I thought we could talk about kind of like we we do like older guys like in our film and media. We both have crushes on like older actors and stuff. So I thought we could maybe give everyone a little piece of info about that. So my oldest celebrity crush right now or recently was Richard Belzer who plays John Munch in the Law and Order franchise. Um he was 78 when he died recently. So he was my oldest pookie bear. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to the king. I think his final words are like, fuck you or something. Were they really? Yeah. Which, so real, actually. (laughs) Um, So what about you? Who's your oldest man? A long time old man crush of mine has been Gary Oldman, which Mm -hmm. is kind of... (laughs) Well, Gary Oldman is such a, like, it's, he's such a, like, you have to like him, I feel like. 
Well, he's just such a great actor. He's always been a great actor. Of course, growing up watching and reading Harry Potter, it's very easy to love his character, Sirius Black. And then when I was a young teenager is when I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm, mm -hmm. And that really solidified my love for Gary Oldman. Yeah, I think that that's a good example because in Bram Stoker's Dracula, like he is like made to look older than he was at the time. So I feel like it's, it's a good example of not just that you liked him but like even when he was a thousand years old or however old yes he that it was like he still had that appeal to him you know there are a lot of age gap relationships like recently in i think just because the fantasy element and trope has kind of resurfaced especially in in books the whole idea of dating a character or the male romance being like thousands of years old is is kind of a big thing right now and that could definitely lead us down a whole rabbit hole of every fantasy book but we're gonna stick to human relationships that are <laughs> yeah. age gap related so i think we should i think we should go to where i think it truly started at least for the social media digital age of because age gap relationships have been a thing of history you can literally trace it back as far as human history will go and if anything actual practicing of age gap relationships was much bigger in history than it currently is now mm -hmm. because you had men who were in their 50s marrying 13 year old girls and, and boys and boys in like ancient greece and they were their teachers and yes mm -hmm. so and obviously now that is illegal so i mean the world is not new to age gap relationships or imbalanced dynamics between people that has always existed um but there definitely has been a resurgence i would say now with social media of romanticizing and portraying those relationships in film music yada yada so we'll go back to kind of what i think like i said is the starting point which is the lolita book and 1997 adaptation there was a, an, an earlier adaptation but most people talk about the 1997 one so the original novel was written in 1955 by vladimir nabokov and the protagonist is a french literature professor who moves to new england and writes under the pseudonym humbert humbert and he describes his obsession with a 12 year old quote nymphette named Dolores Hayes, whom he kidnaps and abuses after becoming her stepfather. In the 1997 adaptation, Humbert is played by Jeremy Irons, and he is a beloved dilf on social media. I've always seen posts about him. Even now, I was looking at, like, edits of him to see, you know, people talking about him, and there were actual edits of Humbert Humbert, that character, thirst edits, that had 20,000 likes and stuff and and the captions were like this isn't about the character it's about jeremy irons and i was like then why not use jeremy iron clips from any other movie like you specifically chose to use clips from lolita which i think is a conscious decision to be making so i know you have read lolita and you've seen the night have you seen the 1997 film yeah i've seen both versions okay i think the first one is with james mason as well and he even when i was young i found him attractive in that film specifically mm -hmm. and then jeremy irons i've also had a crush on when i was young yeah <laughs> so right now lolita ha hashtag lolita has 371,500 posts on tiktok and most of the top posts are actually not just talking about the book but romanticizing the lolita fashion obviously we have lolita core um which you know started in japan but like even one of the top videos was a girl showing that she had cosplayed dolores when she was 13 and i just that was crazy to me that she was posting pictures of her dressed up as lolita well those those um heart sunglasses mm -hmm. that became popular in the 2010s on tumblr and everything also lana del rey mm -hmm. her popularity has resurged and that all fits into the Lana Del Rey coquette aesthetic. Um, it includes the fashion, the media, everything. Lana has a song titled yes. Lolita, right? Yes. Put Me in a Movie as well. Mm. She has um, a few unreleased songs, I think. Yeah. A lot of the songs uh, reference Lolita mm -hmm. and also reference to the period after Lolita, the character, is with Humbert and she becomes a... An adult performer. performer. Entertainer. Yes, entertainer. Yeah, and she gets pregnant. Yes. Also. Yes. So it shows the darker aspects of the story as well. It does well kind of in explaining how Dolores's experiences when she was younger and what happened to her with Humbert put her into such a exploitative future. And 
it's it's sad to see what her character kind of turns into as a result of what happened to her when she was younger. So Lolita has definitely been, like I said, the kind of the cherry on top of all of this. If you're going to find anything related to age gap, you're going to have to see something related to Lolita in it. You'll never be able to avoid Lolita. It's always going to be yes. surrounding this. Now, on the terms of the teacher relationship, because this this is still following the same idea of an age gap and also a unbalanced dynamic, because the thing with age gaps and kind of, I think, what most of the allure is, is that there is that imbalanced dynamic between both people due to age, and then you add in different tropes, like, okay, Humbert is her stepfather in Lolita, so he has control over her household and her mother and stuff, at least partially, which puts her at a position where she has to kind of agree with what he wants but with teacher relationships you've got the whole idea of your grades are determined and especially if it's college or late high school you know is this scholarship related can they interfere with my grades and ruin my life basically based on how they treat me so I think the most infamous teacher-student relationship is from Pretty Little Liars which you have seen yeah I watched it as a preteen. So Pretty Little Liars is an American mystery teen drama television series, and it's based off the novel series, which is written by Sarah Shepard. And it's set in the fictional Rosewood, Pennsylvania, and it follows five best friends whose secrets are consistently threatened by the anonymous A, who begins harassing them after the disappearance of their clique leader. So one of the main characters, Aria, actually dates her teacher, Ezra. They meet in the pilot episode when she's 16 and about to start her junior year of high school. They meet at a bar and they're talking and stuff and Arya kind of lets him think that she's a college student. She doesn't really correct him when he makes that assumption. And they, I think a lot of people thought that they had sex in the first episode and it's kind of insinuated that they do, but I, I double checked and it looks like they make comments about her having sex with him for the first time later in the show. She's still underage when it happens, but... It looks like it didn't happen in the pilot episode. They might have done other stuff, but... Yeah, I think they at least kiss. Yes, they do make out on screen. Mm -hmm. So, we have that. So... And that was before he was her teacher? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's only the next day mm -hmm. that he kind of comes into class, She's and he turns around and he's like... Or he says, like, oh crap or oh shit or something, and she's sitting there. Now, a lot of the thing was about this relationship was that, like, hey, like, obviously she was at a bar, so he's gonna assume she's... 21 and obviously he didn't know he was her teacher yada yada but we actually find out later in the series that he has known about her identity the whole time and was writing a book on allison who is the missing girl from their clique so not only was he aware of her age but he was actually using that um to learn more information about his book but they actually do stay together and are end game in the move in the sorry in the show they're end game and they are married at the end which is crazy so do you i know you watched it right when it was kind of at its popularity do you remember people like adoring that relationship between them yes aria and ezra were highly romanticized when i was i think even in middle school and lots of girls had a crush on ezra i will say he is a very conventionally attractive man and he is like 22 i think in the beginning so he definitely appeals to a younger audience um, as opposed to casting a man who's a lot older, which I feel like, you know, really young girls who who are watching it, like you said, preteen, tween girls, their, their idea of an older man is like a 20-year-old. Mm -hmm. And then once you're like 20, your idea of an older man is like 40, you know? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that they would cast a man who was older and an adult, but... Now we look at it and it's like, well, he's also pretty young. Doesn't excuse what happened. But in terms of age gap relationships, that's definitely not a huge age gap like we see in other films where we've got like 30 years between them or yeah, 40 years. This was a lot closer. And I, I recently rewatched Pretty Little Liars the first few seasons. And I actually expected to, when I was watching it that I would still find him attractive, but I did not. <laughs> And I found that I felt older than him mm -hmm. while while rewatching it. And it actually, like, and I saw how young the girls are because I think they're sophomores and then juniors or juniors and then seniors. Yes, yeah. And rewatching it, I felt like they were so young. 
and even he was like i just my viewpoint of him was so different yeah upon rewatching, did your idea about their relationship like change the oh, romanticization yeah. that you might have had when you were younger yes it felt disgusting to rewatch it <laughs> well i mean that's totally fair i definitely i literally saw this tweet um and someone said, remember when we were younger and watching Pretty Little Liars and none of us saw a problem with Arya and Ezra's relationship? And it had a thousand likes, which I think is accurate. It was so normal back then. Yeah. One of my best friends in school loved Pretty Little Liars. And I even remember her mentioning that relationship. And that was, I didn't see a problem with it back then either. It was just like, oh yeah. If anything, I think when you're that age, the idea of an older guy, especially a teacher showing interest in you, it reflects positively on how you view yourself that you're like okay i'm sexy i'm mature i'm all of these things that most teenage girls are vying to be if anything we looked at aria with either like envy or like pride it was like good for her she seduced this sexy teacher and mm -hmm. you know now we look back at it and it's like what the fuck mm -hmm. and and even in the show they explore the problematic sides of the relationship between themselves and um at one point Ezra is even introduced to Arya's parents. And the interesting thing is that Arya's dad is a professor that has worked with Ezra. And another interesting tidbit in, in Arya's backstory is that Arya's father cheated on her mother with his student because he's a professor and he cheats with his young student who's probably in her early 20s. And that actually breaks up Arya's family. And then it's kind of interesting that maybe psychologically that has an impact on her than being with Ezra. Yeah, I did see that there is a, a lot of like discourse between Arya's parents and Ezra and that, that whole dynamic. I even saw tweets again where people were like, I can't believe we used to think Arya's parents were the villains here for being like, you can't be with Ezra, you know, and now they're like... Yeah, they were just being parents. <laughs> she was yeah. 16. Arya's mother is like a saint when you rewatch it. <laughs> so I did search Ezra Arya on TikTok and got a, a video of them to Teacher's Pet by Melanie Martinez, which we'll get into in a second. And it had 334,000 likes. And the caption was something like, my red flag is that I'm like still rooting for them, basically. And mm. all the comments were like, me too, me too. I love them together, yada, yada, yada. Which... You know, just explains all you need to know. That as we age out of that, you get a new round of girls who are that age and that appeals to them. Mm -hmm. And we're right back where we began. <laughs> so speaking of the song Teacher's Pet, one of my favorites, <laughs> one of my favorite songs actually, not of all time, but if we're going based on Melanie Martinez songs, it was, it always kind of ranked pretty high for me. So Teacher's Pet is the 11th track from Melanie Martinez's album K through 12. And it details an inappropriate relationship between a student and a teacher. Pretty obvious from the title. Right. <laughs> when it first kind of surfaced, I would say in 2019, when, when that album came out, there was like kind of this, this big trend of um, point of view TikToks where girls were lip syncing to the lyrics and talking to the camera as if they were speaking to an older male teacher. Those videos quite literally had like at points millions of views of young girls you know lip syncing if i'm so special why am i secret if i pass this grade will you give me your babies i think is the line crazy shit like that right you know <laughs> <laughs> and then it led to whole point of view series where then other girls were duetting it pretending to be the teacher's actual wife and finding out about the relationship and then guys were duetting it pretending to be the teacher I mean, it was, it was crazy. And like I said, these were point of view TikToks that had like millions of views. And what's funny is I actually think most of them have been deleted now in recent years because that was 2019. So Jesus Christ, that was five years ago. Well, time goes by. <laughs> but you can definitely still find that song being used in edits to this day. Um, I get edits of t with Teacher's Pet as a background song pretty often. Um, I even sent you one like literally last week. <laughs> Which we'll get later into. I sent her one from the film Miller's Girl, which we plan on seeing in theaters. Because <laughs> listen, we, we can't resist. I think the only thing that has changed is that we still are, you know, we're still, we're still a little allured by the whole mm -hmm. age gap and teacher-student thing. But we just care that everyone's over the age of 18. <laughs> right. 
it has a forbidden taboo aspect to it. Another thing that I can see making it enticing for young women specifically is that teachers and professors can feel like a safe space outside of, you know, it's the first men or women that they meet outside of their families and they meet them in a safe environment like school or college. That can make space for those feelings to come up. There is a vulnerability for the students, but yeah, there's that safeness of thinking, oh, this is just a school crush. Even from a young age, we're always told, okay, if something bad happens to you, tell a parent or tell a teacher. Like, mm-hmm. that has always been, like, a mantra of to treat teachers as a safe space. And that goes for really any dynamic where there's, like, an older person in charge. Because you hear that with, like, school, um, sport coaches, church leaders, everything like that. Like, they're meant to be respected as a safe place and a safe adult to go to and like you said if you are having like a tumultuous home situation then you're going to kind of resort to who is your safe place and there is a romanticization that comes with that of well they make my life easier they make me happy they are an escape from everything that I'm dealing with and you're also 12 or 14 or whatever developing all these romantic feelings for the first time so it makes sense that you would pair those two together just really fast I wanted to talk about how you said that kind of dynamic is built so I watched Detachment with Adrian Brody and he plays Henry Barths who is a high school substitute teacher and there isn't an age gap like nothing's romantic in the film but it explores the idea of the girls in his life, young girls having crushes on him and how he deals with that. One girl is named Meredith and she's one of his students who gets bullied and she turns to him for emotional and mental support. A female teacher actually catches him hugging her to help cheer her up because she's like, I'm going to kill myself. And um, the female teacher loses it and is like, what were you doing? And he has to explain, you know, I'm trying to comfort her, but the female teacher doesn't really believe him, you know, which is understandable. And then Henry also meets a young girl named Erica, and she is a homeless teenager who is, you know, doing, performing certain acts to make a living. And she tries to make some moves on him and he's like, you're a child. But he actually does let her stay at his house and he kind of nurses her back to health takes her to a hospital, makes sure she gets tested, and she develops, you know, I wouldn't say romantic, but she definitely develops very possessive feelings towards him. Yeah, infatuation. So, like, one day he stays after work longer than he usually does, and when she comes home, or when he comes home, she's, like, very angry with him. Why didn't you call me and tell me you were gonna be out? I made dinner for you, yada yada, and he's like, I don't owe you an explanation of where I'm at. (laughs) Like, you stay here and I'm taking care of you, but that doesn't mean that we're, like, in a relationship, you know? Eventually, he does realize that this isn't going to work. He can't just keep a homeless teenager in his apartment and take care of her. So he does take her to a foster care facility. But at the end of the movie, he goes and visits her and they hug and it's meant to be seen as, you know, he's helping her move on and that there isn't anything romantic between them thankfully despite her again infatuation with him on the other hand meredith who is his student meredith does develop romantic feelings towards him and again these aren't explored because thankfully adrian brody as henry bardis is a sane man shout out adrian brody but it is really sad because meredith ends up committing suicide at the end of the movie and it's kind of a reflection of her feeling alone and then upon realizing that he can't be there for her in the way that she wants him to be there for her she feels like the only way out is to end it which is very sad i think what i love about detachment i rated this movie five stars and i don't rate many movies five stars i really liked it is it actually explores that adrian's character henry experienced abuse as a child and So it heavily reflects on how he treats the young people in his life later on. And I think it did a great job of portraying how he wants to be their savior, but how that can also distort his perception of what is acceptable behavior. Because, again, he's doing good things for these girls in his life, but you can also look at it from an outside perspective and say, hey... Just because there's a homeless teenager doesn't mean you can just take her home and adopt her illegally (laughs) and kidnap her, basically. But obviously he's looking at it from, I'd rather her be in a house and clothed than warm and fed and not be taken advantage of by men 
But again, he's not always going about it the best way, but he is trying, you know? But yeah, I actually really loved that movie, so you have to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen Detachment, but I do want to watch it because I don't think I've heard of a, a teacher-student relationship film that is actually wholesome mm-hmm. and doesn't cross those lines yeah. and cross those boundaries because usually those films like to explore the taboo sides of it. So back to the kind of teacher-age gap relationships, staying on that path, I thought we could talk about some more of the consensual consensual in in quotations Mm -hmm. relationships because there are other age gap and like teacher student relationships in film and media that are technically legally consensual but maybe are morally problematic due to an unhealthy dynamic so i thought we could start with black swan so you've seen black swan correct Mm -hmm. so what do you do i know you haven't seen it in a while black swan has been a long romanticized film, especially for young girls. So I just watched it for the first time semi-recently. And I'm going to say, it, it seduced me. I What is it? What's the, um, that audio, the TikTok audio, I can't think of it. But the like, he, sedu- or, he seduced he's, me. He's seducing me. Yes, he's seducing me. It worked. Um, I can say that wholeheartedly. So Black Swan is a 2010 American psychological horror film directed by Darren Aronofsky, and it revolves around the production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake by the company of New York City Ballet. So we follow our main character, Nina Sayers, played by Natalie Portman, who is the perfect fit for the innocent and fragile white swan. Her character is very, very innocent, almost to kind of a cartoonish point, I would say. She struggles to kind of fit fit the role of the dark and sensual black swan, which are qualities better embodied by her new rival, Lily, who's played by Mila Kunis. And kind of Nina's, Nina spirals mentally, psychologically, physically, all of those things because she is vying for this position that will kind of determine the rest of her career, especially because with ballet, you kind of have a very strict time limit on when you can be popular in ballet. And they explored that because Beth, who is played by Winona Ryder, is the prima. And she just recently retired. And she's, like, not even... Like, she's, like, barely 30. Like, 32, maybe, or something. So, and Nina is, like, early 20s. So, it's, like, this is kind of her make-it-or-break-it moment. So, the dynamic in this movie is developed between Nina and her instructor, Tomas who's played by my man, Vincent Cassell. Sorry, love him. I love me an old French dude. So they slowly kind of develop a, I would say like sexual, psychological relationship. I I wouldn't dare to call it romantic because I don't think it has any romantic feelings towards it. Maybe at the very end, slightly hinted, but it's definitely a psychological, like mental, sexual relationship. Even before they kind of get together, Beth, again, the recently retiring prima ballerina, confronts Nina and asks her basically, like, what are you doing for Tomas for him to be liking you so much recently? Insinuating that Nina must be giving him sexual favors. Um, And it's later revealed that it seems that's how Beth became prima, is by developing the same type of relationship with Tomas. And now that she has kind of aged out of his preferred range, he's forcing her into retirement. So we kind of see that dynamic repeat itself when Tomas is basically like, hey, Nina, I'll give you the job as the swan, but you should like make out with me and you should also like do these other sexual things with me. But again, there is kind of a blurred line of Nina is an unreliable narrator in film. We don't really know what's happening in the movie at some points because she is she begins to hallucinate. So it's hard to have a perfect gauge on the dynamic of their relationship when you know that certain things that certain scenes that even include him are later revealed to be hallucinations so there is that and at the end of the movie like she is to some degree pursuing him even when he's not actively pursuing her so again they technically are legally consenting adults in a relationship but Again, it is the whole idea of, well, he holds her whole career in his hands, basically. And if he doesn't cast her right now, then she could never have a job again, basically. Right. It's such a cutthroat industry that she's in, and and that's part of her pursuit of perfectionism and success. It kind of relies on her 
to use whatever power she has. Her character especially is, again, so innocent. It's kind of insinuated that she barely has, like, any sexual knowledge. She has kind of the most basic working knowledge that you can have. And so she does find, like, freedom through his kind of infatuation with her and fixation on her because she is so, like, she is so naive, yes, that what he provides for her, again, is, like you said, an outlet that... He, she sees in him kind of something that she didn't have access to before. So while I don't think that their relationship is like healthy, obviously I would never call it that. <laughs> I also am like, oh, it's kind of sexy sometimes. Because again, having, you know, someone, an older sexy guy to guide you through mm-hmm. exploration of your early adulthood, I think is an alluring trope. Right. And I also, for, for Nina, it's, it's a confirmation of her talent when he prizes her in such a way. He he views her in a positive way and she kind of seeks more of that mm-hmm. to reinforce her own confidence in her skills. And when he kind of turns his attention towards Lily, played again by Mila Kunis, Nina struggles immensely with that. And that is part of why she faces such emotional turmoil and psychological torture basically is the idea that he prefers someone else over her and that he prefers someone who is he talks about lily as being like oh look she's so like effortless and like sensual and sexy whereas nina is very uptight and like you said a perfectionist and very innocent again Mm -hmm. so she sees that he is attracted to the idea of like a sensual woman and so she transforms into that to keep his attention on her one of my favorite little tidbits is that again it's kind of framed in a way that nina is like well i'm i'm not like other girls basically throughout the whole film she's like i'm not like lily i'm not that fully sexual person but i'm gonna figure out how to channel that so that i can be both my white swan self and this black swan persona and she's like but i'm also not beth because i control my relationship with tomas and Tomas refers to Beth, the prima, as um, his little princess. And at one point, Lily jokes, like, has he started calling you that yet? And Nina's like, no, he would never. That's his nickname for Beth. Like, he would never call me that. That's not our type of relationship. Beth might have had to, like, fuck her way to the top, but I don't have to, right? And then at the end of the film, he, like, pulls her into his arms and he's like, my little princess. <laughs> And it's like, girl, you ended up there. You did exactly what you were trying not to do. And the movie also points to this low self-esteem that young girls and women can have and how they become susceptible to these imbalanced relationships. And they are vulnerable, especially at those age, that age, to manipulative older people in those positions of power. Absolutely. I think that... Nina is almost kind of characterized in a way that she feels adolescent at times, regardless of the fact that she is an adult. And so it again brings up the whole idea of, he thinks I'm mature for my age, he thinks I'm yada yada yada. And how girls at a certain age start to kind of embrace their sexuality as a way to prove to themselves and to others kind of their position, because women do kind of have to use their sexualness to their own advantage at some point in their life, which is, you know, a shitty reality. And also fulfilling that role of the black swan, it requires a transformation of her that isn't just physical, you know, but also her own mental ability to connect to the, the black swan role. And that can have to do with how she feels pushed into this dynamic with Tomas. Again, Tomas is played by Vincent Castell, and he was also in a different age gap movie, because I think he's got a little bit of a typecast here, which also, like, he actually does date young women, which I found out afterwards, and I was like, oh, we got a Leo DiCaprio on our hands. He's literally French Leonardo DiCaprio, like, he dates girls until they're, like, 27, and then they turn 27, and he's on to a new 22-year-old. Oof. Vincent, please, one (laughs) chance. (laughs) I can change your mind. I'll stay with you forever. Um, But he starred in the French film One Wild Moment, which was released in 2015 and directed by Jean-Francois Richet. 
And it highlights his, like, one-night stand with his best friend's daughter, who is later revealed to only be 17. So I will say that I found this through TikTok, this movie through TikTok, because there were all these thirst edits of Vincent Cassell, and he looked sexy as a mofo in it. And they were like, oh my god, this age gap movie. And no one told me she was 17. So I rented the movie, and I was watching it, and I was so excited, and I was loving this taboo nature. And then they said, guess what? She's underage. <laughs> And I felt so betrayed, you guys. But I also don't really know what I think about that movie because it ended in a very odd manner, I would say, where the whole movie is kind of framed in a way where she has the power because her father is a very, like, I wouldn't say violent, but he's, like, aggressive and protective. And so she kind of has the ability to be like, hey, he took advantage of me and get this guy, you know, murdered or whatever um which again I mean he obviously knew she was 17 when he slept with her so he doesn't get any passes for that it's not like he was conned or tricked or anything but it it is framed in a way where the woman is supposed to have power which again can she really have any power if she's underage that's a question to be asked but it is filmed from her perspective of I have the power in this relationship and I can seduce him whenever I want and if he doesn't go along with what I say then all I have to do is say he assaulted me and he gets to go bye-bye forever and I get to just move on with my life. And that also is kind of explored because the whole movie takes place on a family vacation basically where she goes with her dad and he comes, Vincent Castell's character goes with his daughter and she's best friends with his daughter. So they're both older men are bringing their daughters onto this vacation, you know. It ends basically kind of like ambiguously where the dad, her dad does eventually find out and he beats the shit out of Vincent Cassell. But then at the end of the movie, everyone's just kind of okay and they decide to go back to living their vacation and just kind of let it be a thing of the past and, and not revisit it again. Which I think is just a crazy wild ass ending because it felt so, it felt like nothing was accomplished in the movie. You were watching this like crazy turmoil the whole time for like an hour and a half and then at the end it's like okay everyone just kind of forgave each other which I don't know if I if that would happen I mean if I were 18 and my dad slept with my 17 year old best friend I don't think I could forgive him and if I were a father of a 17 year old girl and my best friend a fully grown man slept with my 17 year old daughter I think I would have some more issues to be had than just I'm gonna beat I'm going to kind of, like, give him bloody nose one time and then be done with it. I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? No. It, um, so I haven't seen One Wild Moment, but um, recently I watched May, December. And that is supposedly based off of a true story, I think. So in the film, it's about a man who was originally a young boy that was seduced by his teacher. And they end up getting married because he gets her pregnant, when even though he's underage. And they are kind of normalized and they stay together until he's older and they still they continue to have more children together and watching that was very it was unexpectedly emotional because it was almost it was very realistic because it was so normalized mm. and i feel like those kinds of things in real life they just get smoothed over because people even when people are uncomfortable with it they have to go about their daily lives so in the film, it's from, it's part of the point of view is from an actress that comes to visit because she's going to be portraying the, the woman, the, mm -hmm. his wife. She's going to be portraying her in a film mm -hmm. version of their story. There's this one scene. It's, the character is played by Natalie Portman, who's the actress. Natalie, back again. Yeah, back to Natalie Portman. And there's one scene where she is watching auditions of young boys who are going to play Charles Melton's character. It's she gets so disgusted watching it that she has to just close her laptop. Or that's what we assume is yeah. that she is shocked by how young and innocent they are. Yeah. So she's she's the actress portraying the woman, the yes. real teacher lady. Yeah, okay. Natalie Portman's character. So mm -hmm. it's obviously showing a disconnect between her and the woman she's supposed to be portraying because the woman she's portraying actually did sleep with a boy that age right. and got impregnated by yes. him. And then Natalie's trying to recreate that and she's seeing those boys and being like holy shit that's not cool right and throughout the movie she's trying to as you said connect with the wife's her who the wife really is and trying to get in that headspace of oh this is a teacher you know who falls in love with this boy at school and she kept she keeps saying oh he was so 
you know, he was older than he seemed and he was so masculine and he was this and that. But you just see Natalie Portman's disgust and then, but eventually she ends up having sexual relations with Charles Mellon's character, the the husband. Mm. Wow. I did not and know And it's that. so that she can kind of, she's she's trying to evolve into that role. Yeah. Here's Natalie. She'll do anything. <laughs> Charles Mellon, though, I feel was really snubbed with that Oscar. With, with the Oscar was he nominated? Nomination. No. Oh. Boo. Actually, I don't think May December received any nominations. As Is a it whole. this year? Was it this yeah. year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you also bring up a great point that we and and we're like we're not even talking about it really in this. Is that the amount of boys who are preyed on by female teachers is something that is just not talked about at all. And even though I want to shed light on it, I also don't think it's our place because. Where we we can only understand it from a like heteronormative male teacher female student perspective, and I think to speak in their place would be not a good idea. But I don't want to eliminate them from the conversation altogether. So I'm glad you brought that movie up and gave us a little insight, so that people know that this is something that's happening regardless of gender and sex and all of that. It, it actually happened at my high school. Really? Mm-hmm. A boy? Yeah. Within a couple of years of, of leaving, there was a female teacher involved with a teenage boy at the, that was a student at the school. I'm not sure the age, what how old he was, but I think she was arrested for it. So it was a serious, serious thing. So again, yeah. I mean, it just proves that that is, that is still an issue. Even though we talk about this topic and we're focusing on, on older men and younger female not to forget that there are men and boys who are being victimized by the same dynamic. Mm-hmm. So speaking of new films, like you said, this one was from this year. So again, we're going to be seeing Miller's Girl soon, um, which, I mean, it just proves we can talk all this shit and we're still going to go see the movies about it. So Miller's Girl is a new comedy drama that stars Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman as a student and teacher who enter into a complicated relationship after a creative writing assignment. And based on the trailer, it seems like Jenna Ortega's character writes kind of a sexual story, or at least sensual um, story, and that Martin's character is like, you, this is inappropriate. But then there's like this psychological drama between them and this weird dynamic. And I don't know, I'm excited to see it. Again, at least Jenna's character is of age that's really where i you know that's all i care about really and it's interesting it's directed by uh jade hallie bartlett mm-hmm. um i'm interested to see from a female director's point of view how this how this movie will i be. agree because i think all the ones we've talked about so far have been directed by men mm-hmm. is that true let me check detachment is directed by men one wild moment directed by men black swan directed by men mm-hmm. so yeah so it will be interesting to see that from a female perspective So I thought we could just kind of talk about now the fandom side because I think that that is a a great way to kind of go into that. Like you said, we've both been in the fandom sphere for too long, I would say. (laughs) Um, Dangerous. (laughs) Dangerously, controversially long. (laughs) So I thought we could kind of just highlight some age gap relationships or tropes or anything that we've seen in our time. So I thought you could start us off with some Harry Potter tidbits course so as a longtime harry potter fan i have seen quite a bit of ships that have age gaps um one of the most popular recently actually is between severus snape and hermione which is so <laughs> problematic in its own <laughs> and that that ship has been a lo- around for a long long time i mean yeah the age gap there is is profound i would say <laughs> So it looks like in the books, it's like a little bit better. I mean, again, this is, she's still an underage right. student. So He knows her from the time she's 11. Yeah, so there's <laughs> nothing like making it better or worse. But at least in the books, he's 32 when he, like, at least. <laughs> at least he's only 38 when he dies and 32 when they first come to the school versus in the movies, Alan Rickman is well over the age of 38, I would say, right? I think it's also because watching and reading Harry Potter, you develop a soft spot for Severus Snape's character, especially what it was like for him growing up and his love story with Lily, Harry's mom, and all of his heartbreak. And you, I can imagine how girls can kind of see him as that sad, emo teenage boy that's pining over a girl that doesn't even give him the time of day. Yes. And so the idea of 
kind of being his his new love is something and i mean that even takes us back to lolita that follows a similar plot of humbert humbert's um infatuation with the young girl when he was younger and trying to kind of relive that with dolores like he never outgrew it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i mean now it's from the female perspective of like well i can be the girl that got away basically i can change him <laughs> i can change him yeah, so Alan Rickman was 64 by the end of Harry Potter, so... Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Rest in peace to the king. Did you know that Tim Roth was originally supposed to play Severus Snape? Was he really? Sorry, guys, if if I have an excuse to bring up Tim Roth, I absolutely will. <laughs> if there's one man on this earth who I would do anything for, he's That's my... teacher crush. Oh my god, yes. He did play a teacher in one movie. He played a teacher in, in Youth Without Youth from 2007, directed by Sofia Coppola, I think. Let me oh, double really? check. No, Francis. Or oh, her, her, her yeah. father. Um, yes, I know the exact date that that movie came out and everything. And he plays Dominic Mattei. He was really sexy in that movie, but that movie sucked ass, if I'm honest. Well, actually, speaking of Sofia Coppola, Elvis and Priscilla in general. Yes. is <laughs> a real-life relationship. That is has been romanticized for decades and is continu continues to be romanticized even by young girls today. Yes, I mean my I can't I can't escape seeing the Priscilla aesthetic posts on my yes. social media, and it it sucks because it's like this is supposed to be told by her side of the story and kind of exploring how she was exploited as a young girl, and people are like, oh my god, Jacob Elordi. <laughs> I think really the problem was casting Jacob Elordi because he's already beloved. I mean, we could talk about in Euphoria how problematic that is, <laughs> but yeah, the I, even when I was young, when I was younger, preteen and teenager, I was heavily influenced by Priscilla Presley's story, but I actually never knew how young she really was mm -hmm. when she met Elvis, and I didn't know until seeing the Elvis film uh, with Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. I didn't. That was the first time I realized how old she was. Yeah, I think that they did a great job with the new, with Priscilla, um, in kind of forcing you to recognize that age gap by having Jacob Elordi, who's so tall and manly and masculine, and then having Kaylee Spaney as Priscilla and looking exactly like a child. I mean, being very childlike, at least at the very beginning. I mean, it's like visible. It's like palpable. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually very sad to watch especially when priscilla is in elvis's home and she's kind of there permanently her parents have allowed her to stay with him um, while she's going to school and then when elvis is out of the house and she's just at the home alone at graceland alone it's actually very sad to watch her because she real she's she's seeing that she doesn't have anything to fill her days and she's just laying around in his living room and it's actually really sad. I think that, that that shows a great example of the dynamic as a whole, which is that usually in these scenarios, the man, the older man, the teacher, whatever, it, it he is the girl's whole life, but she is only a part of his. Exactly. And that is true for all the other things, is that she relies on him so heavily for everything, and especially in Priscilla or in Lolita or anything, where like her life and like her livelihood and her whole future depends on him and he's his own person completely separate from her and and could kind of just get rid of her on a whim and he would be fine whereas it would could ruin her whole life you know yes and in in elvis there's a scene where she where priscilla suspects elvis of cheating while he's away on filming movies and things like that and he just blows up at her and is basically tells her to just leave that he's gonna get her a plane ticket and she can go right back to Germany where her dad is stationed in the military and at one point she does have to go back um, to Germany when she was still young to finish her or to go to, back to school in Germany and you see the the difference in her life as a high school student versus the life she's living in, in staying in Graceland in the United States and it makes you realize how young she is and how vulnerable she is and when Elvis is just like oh I'm gonna send you back on a plane tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, it's so heart-wrenching to watch and she's just at his mercy mm -hmm. and he also he has such a hand in developing her identity 
and the way he has her dye her hair, do her makeup, the clothes that she wears, he criticizes everything about her. And it's really sad to watch. Yeah. Her identity lies in kind of his perception of her. Mm -hmm. But he can get rid of her at any moment and be completely fine with it. Right. And as he was in real life, I think he moved on to women so quickly. And he just had her as his little wife at home in Graceland, raising his, his daughter. And he was just able to go do whatever he wanted with any, any other women. Yeah. You did bring up um, Snape and Hermione as one kind of fandom example. So I thought we could kind of end off talking about more of the fandom side of things. So have you seen many fan fictions that are that follow like an age gap trope? Yes. I would say there's a lot of fan fiction that even alters the the canon ages so that it becomes an age gap. I, I don't would, know if you've read I would those. absolutely agree with that. Um so I would say it's big in the two that I think of off the top of my head for age gap and I would like to preface for mine I'm talking about X reader mm-hmm. fan fictions. I don't know if you were discussing character x character i've seen both character x character and character x reader okay so the ones i'm gonna mention right now are i have only seen through um character x reader so just keep that in mind um but the two that i can think of off the top of my head are marvel and the walking dead those are two big ones that people Mm. like to play that kind of thing with so the most popular ones i can think of are they will do oh like your tony stark's daughter you know, and like Bucky Barnes likes you or Steve or, and again, these are not just older men, but in the actual movies, these men are like a hundred years old because they've been frozen <laughs> from the forties. <laughs> um, so these are men who are a hundred years old. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of doing a little Edward Bella action here. Lion and the lamb, if you will. Is that what it is? Yes. Right. Lion and, the lamb. and then in Walking Dead, it's usually a very similar thing of kind of like you're almost like a Beth stand-in. Like a lot of times you're the reader is like a Beth stand-in. And so it's like, ooh, Daryl or Rick or even Shane I've seen. So um, shout out John Did Bernthal. Did write that? <laughs> yeah, we met him and we loved him. He called me Little Mama. So <laughs> TCC? <laughs> TCC, guys. Oh my God, his age gap relationship. Canon. <laughs> um, sorry, John, please don't sue us. Um, no, he's my... a really nice guy. He's actually a great guy. Um, he actually was in an age gap movie and, and is like was a predator he? in it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I have a TikTok of it saved. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Not even surprised. Our mother is in love with John Bernthal. Yeah. So. John, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we got a sexy milf to hook you up with. Unless you're into <laughs> young girls, in which case, sorry, Pookie. I, I'm a Norman Reedus gal. <laughs> I'm a Steven Yeun girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, sorry. It's like, I can't like John Bernthal because I literally see him as my dad. <laughs> like, our mom is so in love with him that he genuinely... not as Shane, but as Shane. No, as Shane. I see and Shane. Fury. Mm. I literally see his characters and John as himself as a father figure <laughs> and not even in a fun, sexy daddy way. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, in a go-to-your-room way. <laughs> literally. In a be-home-by-10pm way. Um, but I actually saw a a fanfiction recently, like, literally, like, in the last, like, two weeks, not even joking, of an AU, so this is for anyone listening, this means alternative universe, where something in canon has been changed. It can be really small, or it can be they're in a completely different world altogether. So, like, Walking Dead, usually the AUs are non-apocalypse. And, like, the characters all know each other through other ways, right? So this was an AU following that that plot. Where your unnamed father is best friends with Shane, Rick, and Daryl. Like, they're, like, guys who come over and watch the football game and drink beer with your dad, right? And, like, one day your dad leaves and you're, like, pouring beers for all of them. And then you have a foursome with all, or with all of them. Oh, my... And it was, like, it had, like, a thousand notes. And it was, like, three parts. Well, yeah, the girls are still deep in this age gap (laughs) world. It's crazy. It was a good fanfic, though. I read it. I'm gonna be honest with you, Chief. (laughs) 
<laughs> sent it to uh, sent it to our co-host Brooklyn. I was like, "Hey, you should read this." I'm not surprised. <laughs> also, um, have you seen on TikTok the song "Older" by Isabella La Rosa? I have not. Really? I might have heard it. I just okay. don't know the title. It's a trending, uh, or it was a trending sound on TikTok. And it's about, it's a girl's point of view saying, I want someone oh, older. Oh, is it, I think I need, need someone, someone older. Yes, that one? Yes. Dude, that I one. love the edits to that. It's so, it's on a lot of edits. And usually with guys that are. Yeah. In, like, I have, I, okay, let's see. I'm going to scroll on my TikTok bookmark and we'll see. I literally have one of those saved. <laughs> I do too. Who do you have? Let's see. Let see. Okay, here guys, I'm going to just give you a quick, a quick thing. So I have. This is inappropriate. I what you know is what you said. If you don't believe like this, I'll have to fail you. I dare you. So I have a Miller's Girl edit. We haven't even seen the movie yet, and I have a Miller's Girl edit. It has 2.1 million likes. Wow. Just likes, not even views. Wow. It has, oh my god, it has 14.4 million views. <gasps> a teacher's pet. Guys, It's it's it will never end. I'm telling you guys. I have an edit of... Colin Firth as Mark Darcy in Bridget Jones' Diary. A little bit older. Black Leather Jacket. That's a Bucky edit to... What's that song? My Oh My by Camila Cabello. Let me see. I know I have one. I literally have one of the... think I need someone. Oh, I'm surprised there's more than that song. There's other songs that refer to an age gap. There's so many. Oh, there's a sped-up version of Older as well. Mm. Those are always the most popular on TikTok. Dude, I literally had one saved of Bucky. I know 100% I did. Okay, I'm just going to look up Think I Need Someone Older and we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to the song tag. Let's see who the top one is. Not Josh Hutcherson. Okay, <laughs> so controversial. it's controversial take here. You are not allowed to call a man DILF until he hits the age 40. 40? Not 35? No, 40. Okay, I can see that. I don't want to hear, I love old men, and then see a 28-year-old guy. That is absolute bullcrap. It's because the youngest of Gen Z now is rediscovering Josh Hutcherson as a heartthrob. And he's now, what, in his early 30s, I think? Yeah. So that's an age gap of at least 15 years. Yes, he's 31. But I've seen I've seen girls who are like 25 be like, I think I need someone older. And he's 31. And I'm like, girl, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, no, it has to be like, yeah, you're right, in their 40s. Yeah, look, okay. I think I need someone older. And it's a fucking video of Rafe Cameron from Outer Banks. So let's see how old his <laughs> character or his actor is. I think he's like my age. Drew Starkey is 30. Oh. So he's, you know. Oh, he's not very old. That's what I mean. I think I need someone older. Girl, he just turned 30. <laughs> he ain't old. Stop saying I need someone older if they're not old. So yeah, I mean, this this just never ends, basically, is what we're getting at. Is that this will always be a thing. Some other fandom examples that I can think of off the top of my head are Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> One of our favorites. <laughs> One of our favorites. We literally just saw it in theaters because it was re-released. Yes, it actually, the plot of, of Phantom of the Opera, at least the movie version, is actually similar to Black Swan because it has to do with a performer and Christine. the mentor. And then there's also the student's, the student's best friend, her mom, was originally mm -hmm. a student of his as well. Yeah, you're right. It has a very similar dynamic. I actually, I looked up before this and also just for my own personal Look, I was on Letterboxd and I looked up age gap relationship movies. Listen, guys, I really, I can't stay away. Um, and my favorite movie, Secretary, was on the list. And I was like, oh my god, it actually is an age gap. Like, it doesn't yes, even hit me. Of course. You're like, girl, He's no much older than her in that film. Okay, I'm gonna look up how old they were. I wonder if because it's one of your favorite films that you just mentally erased the age gap so that it was less problematic. I, I think I did. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, Lee Holloway, in Secretary, is also a very, like, innocent character who kind of explores um, sexuality with James Spader's character. Okay, they're only seven years apart. But he is in that power. Yeah, he's her, her boss. Because he's, yeah, he's her employer. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm used to age gap now being, like, 
at least 20 years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anything under 10 is like <laughs> child's play. Child's play, literally. <laughs> literally. Um, so sick. Um, my other one of my other favorite movies, Buffalo 66, mm-hmm. age gap. Pretty big age gap, actually. Let me double check that one. It's Christina Ritchie. Mm-hmm. She just looks so young in that film, too. Okay, he was 37 and she was 18. Oh, wow. That so, is a sizable gap. Yeah. yeah. And I think she was freshly 18 because I think at the beginning of filming, her mom had to be on set. Oof. Or it was, no, excuse me. It was her first film where her mom wasn't on set with her. Oh, wow. So it was her first film upon turning 18. Um, poor Christina Ritchie, though. She hates Vincent Gallo, so I have to respect her for that because he tormented her on set. Did he really? Oh, I haven't heard about that. About yeah. That. Oh. Um, and so she was like, peace out. And also same with Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader, unfortunately. James Spader, I guess, is a, um, what's the type of actor Jared Leto is? <laughs> Where they pretend. A creep. <laughs> No, it's like where they pretend they are their character even when they're not filming. Oh, um... Method. Method actor. Yes, that's what Jared Leto is, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, So James Spader was a method actor, so he would do the hot and cold thing with Maggie Gyllenhaal offset, and so he would be, like, praising her and, like, having her in his trailer and being like, you're so, like, mature and, like, <gasps> sexy and sensual and, like, da, da, da. And then the next day he would ignore her and, like, not talk to her. See, I knew I did not like him. Guys, I want him. <laughs> No. I don't want him now. I want him as E. Edward Gray in Secretary 19... Sorry, Secretary 2002. I'm thinking Buffalo 66, which is 1998. And there's also um, Euphoria. Euphoria features... You recently watched Euphoria, didn't you? I did, indeed. Um, Nate Jacobs' dad sleeps with Jules at one point, and she is... I don't know how old. 16? I think 16 or 17 at the beginning Mm -hmm. when they first are together. Yeah. And he's in his 40s easily, right? Right. Um, That was, that's so shocking to watch. Yeah. (laughs) I, it was definitely a very, like, crazy scene. And I think that they filmed it in a way that was very visceral. Where it was like, oh, wow, that is a child. Yeah, it's very explicit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can look around and basically find an age gap dynamic in in almost every piece of media i would say and if you can't find it you can find it in the fandom easily if it's not in the actual show or film or whatever just look up one of the older mm-hmm. characters online and you'll find it yeah like, someone will make it. <laughs> it it is like i said we can't escape no matter what we do so we should all just fuck old men i think <laughs> maybe you can <laughs> <laughs> damn okay you're abandoning me <laughs> Um, it's funny, actually, I realized that when I was younger, I was more interested in older men. But as I age, I am more interested in, in people my own age. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Couldn't be me, actually. <laughs> it's the opposite for you. I, as I get older, I just like guys who are older. Like, even older, older. Because, like, if you, talked about, if you talked to me in, like, 2016, right? Mm-hmm. I was, like, at the height of my supernatural phase, right? Like, my favorite men were, like, Jensen Ackles... Misha Collins, Jared Padalecki, like, I was like, oh my god, they're so old and sexy, right? And they were literally, like, 38. Not yeah. even. Like, they were, like, 35. Um, and now I'm like, oh my god, Tim Roth. <laughs> like, girl, he's 62. <laughs> it's getting to the point where a lot of them have passed away. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, it's literally getting to the point where they're, like, decrepit. Oh my god. Um, um, Brooklyn calls Richard Belzer, who sadly, again, passed away. Rest in peace to my king. Um, she would call him the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> oh, no. And she was like, girl, his bones would crack if you guys fucked. Oh. He would turn into dust. That's how I felt look, seeing how old Christopher Walken is. G- guys, she wants to fuck Christopher Walken. He's 80 he, years old. He, literally. He is sexy. He has a sexy voice. And how old is, um, Jeff Goldblum? 71. He is the dilf of all dilfs. At this point, he's a gilf. Mm-hmm. Grandpa. I love a good gilf. We also like Ray Fiennes, you said? Yeah, you Ray mentioned Fiennes. mentioned him earlier. Pretty much any man that has been in the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> Again, Tim Roth was supposed to be, so... Tom Felton is starting to look a little aged as well. <laughs> yeah, he looks fucking 107. <laughs> it's because Englishmen just seem not to age very well. <laughs> Guys, it's, it's literally a pe- like an epidemic in the UK. 
<laughs> it's it's kind of depressing, honestly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I mean, this whole episode is just us talking about old men. I don't really know what else to tell you. We love old men. I love old men, at least. Do you love old men? Yes, I can. Yeah. They're just, they're, it's irresistible, you guys. It really sucks, but <laughs> there's something about it. As much as we can criticize it from a social dynamics point yeah moral ethical (laughs) philosophical yes and that's why i said is that i the only thing that has really changed for me as i've gotten older and become an adult is that i just care that they're over the age of 18 like yeah when i was under the age of 18 it was like oh it doesn't matter if they're 17 and 43 and now i'm like okay can they at least be 18 and 43 (laughs) i think for me I was like that until maybe I had my child. Mm. And then, because I have a daughter now, I do see the problematic aspects. Yeah. It's, well, not just when it's underage. Obviously, that's <laughs> illegal <laughs> and ethic- ethically very wrong. But um, even the ones that are of age, over 18, I still see the problematic elements to it. And I think that's why now I'm I'm more attracted to people that are my own age. Mm. It's so just if, something that comes with aging. I yeah. Think. So if I date... Not if for I, men. <laughs> not for men, guys. Um, okay, so if I brought home a 45-year-old man, how would you feel? 45. <laughs> There's been worse in the family. <laughs> okay, and that's all the time we... <laughs> Take the mic. <laughs> There's been worse in the family. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So I can bring home... No, it has been done. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yay, guys! I won't say bye, but it's been done. Um, yay, guys, so I will be bringing Tim Roth home to meet my family. <laughs> How old is he again? 62. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> oh my god, no, we have to have our Tim Roth movie night and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I still want to watch. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna infiltrate her mind. I'm gonna indoctrinate her. Okay, well, Julie, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on today. I hope to be on again soon. Yeah, never again. Just kidding. <laughs> Please on aliens. Okay, yeah. She'll be back for our alien episode. Um, but thank you for talking about old men with me. Um, yeah, like I said, guys, we can't really help it. So um, please comment your favorite old man. Tell us your favorite old man. Whether slash that's teacher. Slash teacher, yeah. Um, to you lesbian listeners out there, I heard recently that Miss Honey from Matilda was most of your guys' sexual awakening as a child or a young girl. Um so, let me know if that's true or false. Any lesbians listening out there? Or Joan Cusack in School of Rock. Oh my god, yeah. Or Jack Black in School of Rock. Actually, yeah. That's how it was for me. <laughs> or um, Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. How when the girl writes, I yes. love you, or I love you on her eyelids <laughs> during class. So she blinks at him and she's like, I love you. She's well, with, with those glasses, he's irresistible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are sexy teachers. So let us know. Let us know, guys. Thank you for joining me. Next week, Brooklyn will be back, I think, hopefully. And we would, we will hopefully be talking about a very fun horror trope that is beloved by many. Okay, thank you guys again. Bye. Bye.